0: So what's your podcast about? Superheroes. It's a little geeky, but I think you guys are going to like it. Try not to be too geeky.
1: No, I can't promise that.
2: Should we begin? It's a bird. It's a
1: plane. It's the Geek and You Shall Find podcast. And now, your
2: hosts, Kelsey Dickerson, Brad Fay, and Noah Berlin. Hold on to your butts.
0: Welcome to Geek and You Shall Find, the podcast powered by Superhero Faces. Now, if you're watching on YouTube or even if you're listening, you may notice that we are down a comrade. Kate is being Chicago Myers, having a great time with her family, so she will be missed this episode. But don't you worry, Brad Fay, Noah Berlin, and myself, Kelsey Dickerson, have you covered when it comes to everything Rings of Power, Episode three. Adar. Or according to Noah, maybe it's Adar. But guess what? We are very inclusive here when it comes to <laughs> pronunciations because we're just not sure how to say it. And even characters in these movies and shows say it differently too. Um, so thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, make sure to please share and follow at Superhero Faces on Twitter, Facebook, and Superhero underscore Faces on Instagram so you can keep up to date with everything with our podcast Documentary and docu series. Now, before we're gonna jump to Noah for some nerdy news, of course, if you haven't watched the episode yet, there are gonna be some spoiler alerts as we talk through it. But we also want to remind you that we haven't read a lot of the Lord of the Rings books. We're just huge fans. Brad has read the Silmarillion because he is just better than us at reading. Um, so you know what can we say? But we are so thankful for you guys to tune. Thankful for you guys tuning in with us this week and each and every week. And with that, Noah, please take it away with nerdy news.
1: Thank you, happy to do it. So nerdy news of the week, the big news is all coming out of the D23 Expo, which kicked off this weekend. It's basically Disney's official fan club expo and and essentially the Comic-Con of just Disney stuff. So whether it's Lucasfilm, Marvel Studios, 20th Century Fox, as well as Disney content, a lot of uh, announcements were made over the course of the weekend. So I just want to talk about a couple of those that uh, really were of note to me. And obviously, this is being recorded on Saturday afternoon, so there could be some more announcements that are coming up after this. So that would be the reason that I miss anything uh, in this list. So we saw trailers, new trailers for the new season of The Mandalorian. It looks really awesome. We also got uh, a sequel to the animated Clone Wars, Bad Batch, all that. It's going to be called Tales of the Jedi, and it's going to be done in different um, mini episodes, almost like What If, where there'll be different stories each episode. We saw Secret Invasion, uh, as well as Werewolf by Night. We saw trailers for all of these. We also got first looks for Indiana Jones number five, which will be Harrison Ford's last time reprising the role of Indy. Uh, The series Ahsoka, The Little Mermaid, a uh, live action Little Mermaid. I know. And uh, Inside Out 2 coming out of Pixar, which will be great. And a prequel to The Lion King called Mufasa, The Lion King. So excited about all those. We also got announcements about a a co-Captain America and Black Panther video game that's going to be done by Skydance. It's going to be taking place during World War II, so that should be pretty cool. Uh, We got announcements for Armor Wars, uh, as well as a Scarlet Witch solo movie starring Elizabeth Olsen. But unfortunately for all the people like myself, we're very excited to hear some casting uh, decisions for Fantastic Four, we did not get any Fantastic Four news today. So that is unfortunate and we'll still be on pins and needles waiting and guessing who the cast for that is going to be whenever they announce it.
0: Maybe we'll have to add some nerdy news to our House of the Dragon episode this week when we record it. You know, I know that you didn't, you want to stay away with it because we have so much to talk about with House of the Dragon, but You never know. Yeah, I feel like every other tweet that I've seen this weekend has been from the Disney Expo. It's absolutely incredible. I'm super excited about Little Mermaid. It is my favorite Disney classic. Um, So I can't wait for that. She sounds absolutely beautiful. The graphics look incredible. She literally looks like she's in the ocean while she's singing. The hair and everything is just absolutely beautiful. And then Mufasa, I'm interested to see what part of that, like, does he start as a little cub? Like, where Simba starts age, yeah.
1: out and um it was a Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen are reprising their roles as a young Timon and young Pumbaa in the movie cute. as well oh my
0: goodness go. so cute Brad are you especially excited about any of those
2: yeah it's fun it's funny you said the little mermaid well a lot a lot of the. I haven't even gotten to watch everything yet I'm like really excited to spend a good chunk of the day going through watching a lot of the ones that Noah just mentioned it's just funny that you mentioned the uh, Ariel being underwater uh this morning i watched there's a on disney plus there's a like a mini documentary it's like an hour about the making of the obi-wan Ken- kenobi series mm. and ewan mcgregor shares a story of like the first day he was on s- set with george lucas and george lucas was like take him around to see everything and they see the big submarine that they're underwater in and the phantom menace at one point and ewan mcgregor was like that's so cool so we're gonna be like underwater in this and Joel Jucas is like no you you don't really go underwater that's like made up and Hugh McGregor's like I felt like the biggest dumbass like I'm like oh like Ewan McGregor's like this guy probably thinks like I think like oh we really go to space in these spaceships and stuff god like that so I just that was a really funny story about like being underwater reminding me of that
0: George Lucas is like, who the hell hired this man? Have you ever been on a on a movie set before?
2: <laughs> it's crazy. They show footage of them, like their first day meeting, and you and McGregor literally looks like. I mean, he's not looking like, a starter jacket, but you know, he talks about like, I wasn't a person that would ever be in stuff. Like, I was doing indie movies. I was like an unestablished actor doing like these oh. like punk indie films, and he's like on set wearing like this like. Puffy starter jacket almost. It's like a starter jacket. I, I wish I was in a starter jacket right now. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's like one of those things, like it's something come back. I'm like, yo, he looks kind of cool, but it's just so weird to see like you and McGregor like rocking that style.
1: Yeah, that's funny.
0: Lord Almighty. Can you imagine though? That's so crazy to go from indie films to one of the largest franchises of all time (laughs) and something that has such a huge stardom so well good thing Ewan McGregor is an amazing actor um now of course like we mentioned in the beginning of this episode we are going to be outlining everything that is Lord of the Rings the Rings of Power episode three so as I recall um you know we leave on a lot of hang uh cliffhangers at the end of episode two and this episode really only follows the journeys of or the storylines of Galadriel, um, Nori, and really Erendir, um, oh, and then Deer yeah, so this is really focused on that, so before we really dive into it, there are some really important things that we see and that we're introduced to in this episode, so to give us a little bit more background and context, we're going to the expert, Noah Berlin, to help us set this stage. Like I mentioned, these always help me out so much, so hopefully they help our, our viewers and listeners out too, because I always love this part of, of our episodes.
1: Yeah, that's the idea, right? I mean, I, I watch these things and I get excited about it. And I want to learn more. And so I love kind of putting this stuff together so it makes more sense in my mind and provides that context. So that's what this is for. So in episode three of Rings of Power, we travel to the island of Numenor, which is one of the greatest civilizations in the history of Middle Earth. Before I get into that, and its significance within Tolkien's story, I want to explain a little bit about some of the powerful beings that have the influence over the world of Arda. That's the name of the world, Arda. So, Iru Iluvatar was the name of the supreme deity. He's the single creator of the world and the one true god, if you will. So, Iru created a power structure to assist him with shaping of the world, including 14 demigods, which are called the Valar, the Valar, excuse me, the Valar. Uh, Eru also created some lesser but still powerful beings called the Maiar, which are kind of like angels if you think about it. So you have Eru at the top as the one true god, the valor under there, and then the Maiar under there. Mm -hmm. So Gandalf, Saruman, the other three wizards that came to Middle-earth during the Third Age are some of these Maiar, as well as Sauron. Sauron was one of the Maiar as well. Morgoth was one of the Valar who strayed from the path of his creator, Eru, and sought to dominate and weave his dark thoughts into the creation of the universe when it was still being formed. So basically, all evil that's present in Middle-earth all stems from Morgoth. What dick. (laughs) Morgoth, what an asshole. (laughs) Morgoth's corruption spread across Middle-earth, and his rise of power divided the race of men. Some chose to side with this Dark Lord, and others stood against him. So after he was defeated, the Valor raised the island of Numenor from the sea. It was kind of like Atlantis. It was raised from the sea, this island, and it was gifted to the men who chose the right side and fought against Morgoth. The Numenorians were also granted extended lifespans, and they possessed both enhanced strength and tremendous wisdom. These were all the gifts given uh, by the Valor to these humans who did the right thing and fought for the right side. So the nation that was built there on the island was originally founded by Elros, who was the twin brother of Elrond, and he became Numenor's first king after the War of Rat. So unlike, or excuse me, like Elrond, Elros was half-elf, but unlike his brother, he chose to forsake his elven half to live the mortal life of a man. So for a while, the bond between the elves from Valinor and the humans in Numenor was really strong. There was trade. They would come and go from the shores of Numenor and have a good relationship. But as we've seen in this episode, things have changed. Uh, The Royal Numenorean line has taken a very anti-elf stance, and there's a lot of conflict there where elves are entrusted or allowed on their shores, and so when Galadriel and Halbrand arrive on the island in this episode, the conflicts start there.
0: Man, yeah, that's definitely a lot to break down, yeah, because we see, we, um, you know, Galadriel is kind of like, oh, where are we, and things are kind of moving in her mind, but we're not sure why, and then we hear little bits and pieces about you know she says like little things here and there about what it is and that she's her kind isn't welcome we hear that the king has basically been exiled or is like held captive because of his views of the elves so do we know is the king that you mentioned is that Elrond's half-brother still the king that is reigning or no because he gave up his elfhood so he wouldn't live as long
1: his outfit yes <laughs> he when he he chose to be a straight up a man a mortal and so he still lived a really long life as the Numenarians did uh but he was a mortal so he he was a mortal so he died uh hundreds of years prior to the events of this show picking up and so when um when Galadriel is with Elendil um mm-hmm. and they're looking up the history and you see the painting of Elrond on one side with the elves and uh, Elros on the other side with all the humans. They're kind of going into that story there. But at this point, Elros is is long dead.
0: Hmm. Okay, it's very interesting. Yeah, I think Numenor is absolutely gorgeous. And I love that it's a star shaped island. I think I don't know. I don't know why I just love that that point. (laughs) (laughs) Now, um, we're gonna get right on into so thank you so much for setting the stage. We're gonna get right on into our MVPs, Brad. I'm gonna start with you. Who or what was this episode's MVP for you? We didn't see a lot of the storylines, but there was definitely a lot of great stuff happening in this episode.
2: Yeah, I I love this episode so much. Like this episode, like crushed it. It was it just brought me right in right from the start, uh, start to finish. I was like all in on this, uh, but. You said this might be a heavy Numenor episode, and I'm going to start right off like Numenor was my MVP, just seeing how beautiful it looked. I mean, that's such a hard thing. I always like tried to visualize what that was going to look like on screen and never thought it it could just be something that, I mean, my jaw literally dropped Like when they said Numenor, because I wasn't sure if it was going to be included on the show, just because once Noah had talked about like the rights and they're being like, well, they could do this, but not this. I was like, crap, I don't know where New Mineral falls into that. Maybe I shouldn't have gotten my expectations so high. But, you know, when they finally said like it's the most island, you know, West Island, I was like, oh, we're going to get it. And then from there, I was just like in and it did not disappoint. It just, I can't think of a mythological world or anything brought to life that looked cooler than ever. I, I really tried to think of, Something. I mean, we, ha- we haven't gotten to really see Valeria like at its high point in Game of Thrones. Maybe that would look similar, but I can't think of anything that was like a city as visually stunning as Numenor was. Yeah, it was awesome, and you actually saw when the boat pulled in. You see there were huge
1: statues of of the figures. That was Elros, um, who the first king of, of Numenor, but who we see there. But yeah, it was it was stunning. It was stunning to look at, and just you see how much money was put into the show and. And it really, it's, it's shown off
2: there. They're, they're showing off. I mean, it might have looked better than Rivendell looked in the movies. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, and, and <laughs> I, I <think> that's <laughs> how much money they put into this is like, they're not playing. <laughs> like, they're not, <laughs> not also, messing you,
0: up. You got to think that the Lord of the Rings movies came out like 20 years ago. For which- sure dates all of us, Thanks. which was very sad. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I agree. It was absolutely gorgeous. And it's funny because Gladriel actually mentions, she's like, oh, you should have seen it when it first started. So obviously that's kind of a dig at like how it's either been kept up or any changes that the Numenors have made since they've been gifted this island. Well, not gifted, earned with blood, um, which I think you can make an argument for either either of those. Um, but yeah, absolutely wonderful MVP. Did you have another one, Noah?
1: Yeah, I do. My my MVP is a Elendiel and it's um, partially for what he did in this episode, but partially just for who he is and what he means to the story going forward. We'll talk about a little bit, I don't well, I don't know if I want to necessarily go into that yet, but he's the the captain on the boat that picks up Galadriel and Halbrand, and he brings them to Numenor. Um, his name translates to Elf friend in the elven language of Quenya, and that is what he is, and you just see how um. You know, the powers that be in Numenor really are against the elves, really against um, everything that it means to, you know, be pointy deers and, and elves and what they they did throughout the years. So it was cool to see him kind of still represent a little bit and and take Gladriel out to his, um, what was it called, his hall of lore where they found some history. And really, it sets her on course for what she needs to be doing at that point. So he crushed it. Uh, his family is super important. We'll get to that a little bit later as well. And uh, I don't know. I liked his quote where he was just always like, "The sea is always right. The sea is always <laughs> right." And the Queen Regent was like, "Well, the sea can't commit treason. You can." <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Queen Regent was not messing around in this episode. She just was not having it with anybody. I yeah. thought her and Galadriel were actually going to go like hand to hand.
1: But yeah, so so Ellen Deal was my uh, MVP
0: wonderful MVP and I do love that too so I mean obviously in a lot of these fantasy worlds they have they put so much emphasis like we talked about in our last episode of house of the dragon whether it's prophecy or dreams or um you know anything that kind of any signs that come to them so like when they're all saying like well our paths cross for a reason or like we found you for a reason like you've come here for a reason um obviously that kind of foreshadows the importance of it and probably what we're going to see in the future but I just love that because I'm also a believer in you know in our own world of like the universe and things happening for a reason sometimes to be able to put you in the place that you need to be so I just like those um but I have two MVPs that are tied for me um the first one is Poppy because I was kind of a hater on her in the first couple episodes but I really love the scene with her and Nori where they're trying to get the the star scrolls and they're She's like, oh, I think there's only a few minutes left. And like, you know, the way that she was saying stuff was just so funny and cute. (laughs) It was just really cute Um, and just shows that, you know, that they are truly so um, they're so close and they're just adorable. I think we all had friends like that growing up that you always get into mischief with and friends that you would always go to bat with, no matter if you're going to get in trouble or not. Um, So that was really cute. And then obviously at the end, when she stays behind um with the family um and I think we kind of see an insight into her too that maybe she doesn't have any family maybe some of them were the left behinds or what do they call them the left behinds or not left behinds um, but the you know what I'm talking about uh, oh yeah I, yeah
2: yeah the, yeah I've got, I've got some notes on that but yeah, I, 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 I do as well I mean that's what they are yeah
0: um and maybe that's also foreshadowing a part in this in this podcast, me mentioning that. Um, yeah, and then obviously Aaron Deere. Um, I think we're gonna dive into him a little bit more, but he was just really badass in this scene. Um, we don't really see him fighting, we see him um, you know, doing a lot of scouting in the first couple episodes. So those moments were were really um cool to me and just seeing him like fight and like do some of that stuff. He was a um,
1: badass, huh? Say that again. He was a badass, huh?
0: He was a badass. Like some of those scenes, like I think we're gonna dive into it a little bit later, but some of those scenes were just like, oh my gosh. Like you just don't see what, you hadn't seen that before. Um, and you really aren't seeing, you know, you get glimpses like Galadriel in the first episode when she killed the snow troll and things like that. But we don't really see a lot of those fighting scenes quite yet. So that was just a good insight into that. And what's to come when there are fighting scenes, um, hopefully in, in the future and how well they're gonna be done. Um, but on the opposite end of the spectrum, Let's get into our LVPs. Who was the least valuable player? And it's actually kind of ironic because I think everyone started their fantasy football stuff this week as well. Hopefully your teams are doing better than mine. Um, But yeah, Brad. One game so far, so. (laughs) Well, it's just I'm going against someone that has Cooper Cup in their team. So I am just not starting off well, even though I have no points yet. No one's played yet. So that's how much I believe in my team. I mean,
2: my LVP is clearly the dude, the orc who offered the fake water ration. Like, you don't do that. Like, I don't care who you are. with but- <laughs> You don't give a water ration and then slit someone's neck. That's just so grimy. And I was, like, appalled. Like, when that scene took place, I was like, I just have it out for that dude. I want that guy to get his just desserts so bad because... He killed the character that I've been calling Bizarro Quicksilver. And I was just, like, so sad to see that guy go, especially, like, in such a, like, a brutal fashion of thinking he's getting a water ration, and then now he's gone. So that was that... my LVP of the episode. You used to live in a civilized time when you
1: behaved know, respectfully, right? It's unbelievable. Oh,
2: yeah, you know, the orcs are decent, man. Like, you know, they were like, oh, speaking out, human, here's your water ration for your platoon. I'm like, okay. We're getting some common ground. Good people. <laughs> they're misunderstood, these orcs.
0: Yeah. The albino orcs, they don't play by anyone's rules, Brad. All right. They're a different breed. Okay. They are only underground and they're gonna be sneaky and they're gonna make people do stuff for them. So I knew so when I, I know I think everyone was expecting it to be poisoned. And I thought maybe they were just faking, like drinking it. And then but it's it was like, why did he pick that guy? Like well, I know all the guys yeah. like, <laughs> it's true he picked the stinky leaf rotten leaf stinky guy like why
2: I thought it was going to be like orc urine and they were like ah you're drinking orc urine <laughs> he just like slit his neck so, yeah. Brad yeah. is
0: not in line for the orc shenanigans happening oh, right now yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah like what, what
1: happened with Jamie Lannister when they chopped his hand off and then, then they gave him the what he thought was water and it was piss and they're all laughing at him <laughs> that's I right got some, uh, I, got a, I got a really good LVP a really good one so this one I'm sure you guys will identify with you'll, you'll know exactly what i'm talking about my lvp is blovo Bolgerbuck. you guys familiar you remember blovo? okay so let me let me refresh your memory so in the very somber scene where Sadok, who is the elder of the harfoot uh, he's doing a whole in memoriam segment about all of the people that fell behind during past migrations and it's really somber you see people are crying everyone's remembering them They're we will wait for you that's their their call after they say the the names of these people and they talk about they talk about these harfoot who who died they were killed by being stuck in the snows of a mountain pass they were killed in a landslide they were killed by wolves and everyone's very emotional and then all of a sudden he goes Blovo Bulgerbuck. Oh. Oh, got him. And he's like bees and everyone's laughing. Everyone's laughing. And Blovo. And then he's like, yeah, we all loved him, but he was an idiot and everyone's <laughs> cracking up. I'm like, damn, the disrespect that Blovo Bulgerbuck is getting, man. <laughs> Everyone is sad about everyone except for this dude. So man, he he he's just taking stray L's long after he's gone. So he he's my LVP for sure. Oh, uh, that's
2: funny. Yeah, I I did have a note. <laughs> it just says hardfoot people are grimy. Like I think they're starting to really show their like true colors. Like um the dad at one point, I think his name's Largo. Ah, uh, the you know the guy with the injured foot is like, oh, no one's ever been left behind. You know that. And then we got to a scene about a bunch of people who were left behind. And they said, we, we will wait for you. I'm like, you didn't wait for shit. Like, they died stuck in the snow. And then they're like, yeah, you're going to go at the end of it, at, at the trail. I'm like, I don't get how we go from no one's ever been left behind to literally a memoriam of everyone <laughs> being left behind.
1: And when the dude first started talking, he was like... You know, when people are left behind, they're never really left behind. And I was like, oh, okay, that's good. So that means like they wouldn't actually leave, you know, due to the family. And, and then he's like, no, 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 they're like physically they're left behind and they're dead. They're fucking <laughs> dead. But like in our hearts, they're not really left behind. We're like, okay, all right,
2: sad doc. There's <laughs> some gaslighting going on in uh, Hartford. Yeah.
0: He's like, but you guys, you with a broken foot and you only have like two little girls and a wife to be able to carry this huge car, you guys are going to be in the way, way back. So good yeah, luck that. to you. He's like, yeah. not the way back, right? Like the middle back. Yeah, and they're like, no, we should back. talk about this. We should talk about this.
1: <laughs> no, nah, man.
0: I know. I will say that is kind of messed up. It does like, obviously some of them sounded like you can't really do anything about it, but it is really funny. But it, try- it kind of reminds me, I really liked the chant that they would say. Oh, it's like, nobody goes off trail and nobody goes alone or something like that. And I was like, oh, I bet like the national parks would love this scene. Like that's basically (laughs) their motto. Oh, you no, but stung? that was kind of messed
2: up the dude who got stung by the bee do you think he even like died right away or was he like did they just hate that guy to begin with he got stung by a bee and they were like yo let's bail let's bail and he's like no i'll be okay just give me a second and they were like no 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 no. we gotta go we gotta go man that's really a shame you didn't make it and now they're yeah, like man, you gotta stay on path bro i'm sorry i'm he's like, like no, they're all probably like fine." <laughs> they could have swatted those bees away i'm sure i'm sure no effort was given to help that guy lovo Balgerbuck, man he- <laughs>
0: They're all just like hiding in their little bushes. He's like literally sitting there for like an hour, like being done
1: Like vaccine or like ointment or whatever the fuck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, they probably have some remedies for bee stuff. They're probably just like, oh, one person died by bees or we all get like a couple stings. So let's just have like, he was, like the annual sacrifice. Plus if you probably look at it, I bet bees are like one of the like top things of people dying from, like I would guess. From bee stings, like in our world, I bet like a lot more people than you know probably die from bee stings. So it's probably not that uncommon. Versus like dying in a snowslide or being attacked by a wolf. Like, come yeah, on, we got to give him person. a little bit of credit. We forgot credit about standing.
2: the wolf person. <laughs>
0: the wolf person.
2: That would sound brutal.
0: Oh man, that would yeah. absolutely. I know. But at least LVP you're kind of. Say that again. I
1: was, I was just asking if you have an LVP.
0: Oh. No, I don't really have an LVP this, I guess if I did have an LVP, actually, it would be the queen and the Numenors, um, the ones that have kind of shied away from the elves and just really kind of closed their doors. I think we see that a lot in our own world of, you know, people being really closed off to others and just not being able to have that conversation. Like it's, it's also really funny too, because in one of the parts that they're going, like Galadriel is, like a hero. Like people really know who she is. She's the commander of the elves. Um, the elves the army, I guess. God, yeah. yeah. So the elves army. And um, you know, they have that little puppet thing talking about how she's been a protector of the realm. And so it's just, it's just really sad to see because I think there's a lot of things, a lot of um commonalities that you can draw between what they're going through there and then things that like people go through in our own world even in our own country so I would say they're the LVPs for me the people that aren't open and accepting
1: yeah I, I hear that but the the puppet show was actually hating on her it wasn't supporting her it was like oh I'm Galadriel I'm here as the elf and uh and they're like you're not going to kill our queen elf and then they kill, they
0: kill oh her. I thought it was showing her as a hero
1: no it was not it was hating on her
2: But they should have made her, like, more monstrous looking. Like, because I was, like, kind of confused by that. She seemed, like, the way she was all, like, dinky and sweet, it was kind of, like, misleading where I was, like, you would think they'd be, like, elves have fangs and, you know, like, they'll eat children.
1: Well, they know what they look like. It's not just myth, right? It's But I think that they were just showing that, like, you know, they're all just super xenophobic. Yeah, Mm -hmm. basically. Yeah.
0: Which is ironic because they were literally gifted this. this, The elves brought this island up from the bottom of the sea to give to them. Well,
1: i thought that was interesting too because obviously that had happened a while ago right but when uh, galadriel said to the queen she's like you were given this land by the elves by the valor and she's like we weren't given anything and like yeah. that's just how they look at it and they're they are very much very anti-elf and like hey we worked hard for what we have we paid in our blood and this is ours now and and we're not going to owe anybody anything and that's kind I of thought the, that was yeah. an interesting interaction.
2: I really like that point because I think that's a yeah. fair point. Like, yo, you didn't give us this just to be nice. Like, people died to help make the world a better place. And, like, we were, you know, like, gifted this as, like, our compensation for it. Like, you didn't just decide. Like, you could have given this to us for free, but you didn't until, like, we helped you with something. So, I thought that was cool, like, to see both sides of that argument. Definitely. Yeah, yeah that's good scene, for sure.
0: And that is a, a, an interesting dynamic, too, like we like you guys mentioned, um, like, I mean, obviously the elves are like these magical beings that do have all these gifts and all these things to offer that regular humans and some of the other creatures just don't have access to. So when you're constantly being, being given stuff, like Noah mentioned in the beginning of the episode, like, you know, they were taller, they lived longer, they were like given like extra intelligence or like more intelligence. And they were like, you know, there was a lot of stuff exchanged between the Numenors and elves. Like that creates a dynamic of like, oh, well, we're doing all this stuff for you that we have access to. It's usually just for us. Like, you know what I mean? So I wonder if it's just like after so long, they're like, wait a second, like you guys are holding this over our heads. Like we didn't ask for you to do all this. Like we fought and you guys decided to do this for us. So why are you holding it above our heads? So, I mean, I guess that's just an interesting dynamic to look at it and you can make arguments for both, but at the same time, like being open and just being able to, to be communicative and, and just like not be yeah xenophobic and almost like really racist in a way it's just that's never the answer um but speaking of elves uh moving on to best scene for me I mean I kind of foreshadowed a, a little bit I kind of talked about it I really loved the scene we were talking about this before the podcast you guys mentioned it too how cool it was to see all the elves working together they came up with a plan to be able to fight against the orc and hopefully for at least one of them to be able to escape, to be able to go tell the elves like, hey, all this stuff is happening. There's still all these orcs. There's a huge like, you know, black power that is, that is, um, you know, just like going underground and being unseen in the Southlands. Um, So just being able to see that fight scene and just some of those slow motion, like Deer in the air and them using the chains. Like I thought it was really badass. That was absolutely my favorite scene. uh like you know uh what was that be called like a honorable mention scene is when they come to New Menor. like you mentioned Brad that was absolutely amazing but was there any good scenes for you guys that I didn't mention do you guys want to expand upon that one
1: yeah I mean you, you're right I agree with you I love that fight scene was really badass uh the way they use the chains it was kind of like Ghost Rider like Kratos almost like the way they were <laughs> using the chains to fight that was really sweet and particularly when they all just like they're the elves are a well-oiled machine man like they're like, okay, we got to, we're going to try to escape. And so as soon as they saw the, the moment, they they turned, they got all of their chains right overlapped on top of each other. And then they're all in motion trying to free themselves from it at the same time. It was really freaking cool. I, I loved watching that. And then uh, Aaron, Deere, when he jumped and he crushed down the, um, the canopies so that they would all be exposed by the sun, that was very cool as well. I will say that the one thing I think we've talked about the CGI in the show and just how unbelievable and stunning uh, it is for everything we've seen so far. There was one moment where I was like, wow, that was pretty whack, Uh, which was when in that scene, when the warg, the wolf thing Hmm. comes out and when he finally kills it by throwing the spear into it, when the spear hits him or hits the warg, it looked really bad, I thought. And and maybe just go back and rewatch that one thing. But it like that was the only time I could say the CGI did not look good for me. But yeah, that again, uh, then once they go to, to Numenor, we we touched on it before, and they have that kind of back and forth between the Queen Regent and Galadriel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that just whole dynamic was really cool. They even have the back and forth where um where where the queen regent goes, uh you know they didn't they, we weren't given anything they were paid they paid for this isle with the blood of their kin and Galadriel goes "Then if the if blood be the price of passage I'll pay it but one way or another I will depart Ooh. and the like, I welcome you to try uh, you can try and I just thought that was really badass from both I mean because Galadriel obviously like you said is a badass she's the commander of the northern elven army uh she's a veteran of many wars and uh and could easily take out probably most of the humans there and the the queen region was not was not backing down at all so she she kind of stepped up there and i thought that was pretty badass
0: and i really liked you like the scene so you guys call him tom brady that's <laughs> um, his name haladrian
1: uh no no, no. uh hallbrand
0: Hallbrand, thank you Hallbrand. who am I saying ladrian um I love that little scene too between them when he's like hey like I want to try to start anew here like this is so great and then you look they look like they're doing amends but he gives her uh he gives her the dagger back that was her brother's dagger I really like that and of course it sets up that he is very slight of hand and that he's very good at like grabbing stuff which is important this scene too but Brad how about for you
2: yeah, uh, not really scenes that you guys haven't mentioned, but I do think it's kind of interesting. Like you mentioned, like Aaron Dor's kind of like struggle, uh, you know, being like a prisoner for the orcs. I thought it was really interesting that episode two ends with him being kind of grabbed by the orcs and pulled in. And then episode three, all this crap happens to him. You think he's going to get out of it. And episode three ends with him getting pulled right back in. It's like, yo, you're in the same position you were. And you just lost, like, some of your closest companions. You had to chop down a tree. Like, they're really doing a good job, like, kind of developing that character. It's like, you would usually expect, like, okay, by the end of the episode, he'll get out. It's like, no, a bunch of crap got worse for him, you know? So I, I just thought that was cool, like, the bookends of him ending episode two, getting pulled in by the orcs. Episode three, him getting pulled back, and it's like, you're not going nowhere. So I'm interested in seeing where that goes. Yo. Yeah, did you uh, did it did you recognize how when this episode opens
1: and he's being dragged in and uh he's obviously the prisoner of the orcs and they show all these orcs wearing these masks. And to me, the masks looked exactly like almost like uh Conshu, who's From the Moon Knight Moon Knight. Oh, I spotted that guy. Had, yeah, they even had the staffs that looked like the moon-shaped staff that uh that Kanshu had too. So that was kind of crazy how how they all had that look, which I don't know. Yo, the multi
2: is cool. wild man the multi um
0: i think it was really interesting too like we see these are not the orcs that we know in lord of the rings right they are basically mole people they can't go they are so used to working underground and using these tunnels or working at night that they are basically hurt when they go in the sun they're basically vampire orcs it seems like so in i thought that was a really interesting say that, that again is-
1: that is a thing with all the orcs are like that and Mm -hmm. that's why when they breed the uruk they Ah, they they mix orc and goblin and that's how they're able to um be out in the sun
0: ah okay thank you that's really interesting oh i hate the uruk they're so creepy um (laughs) no but i really love so obviously throughout the episode too like you hear them all chanting like adar 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 like for adar and like they're all there's all these mentions and at the end you kind of see him and um Uh, there's references to to most likely it's Sauron because Sauron is known by a lot of names. Um, So we're thinking it's Sauron, but he looks like almost human-like at the end, his shadow.
1: Yeah, so um, I think what it's going to end up being is that Adar is kind of, they're setting him up definitely to be the main antagonist of this season. Whereas I think Sauron is the main antagonist of, series as a whole obviously and and his rise to power so i don't think that they're the same person but you're right um and i think that a lot of the speculation uh, online and just kind of where my my mind races to as i watch this show is you know where is sauron that that's the big question where is he have we seen him before because at this stage in the story sauron is a shapeshifter, so he could be hiding in plain sight as he's known to do and so i really wouldn't be surprised if a character that we have already seen is Sauron. So like yeah. whether that's Kalen Brimbor, uh, who is we didn't see in this episode, uh, the stranger could be him, uh, this adar could be him, Hallbrand could be him. So it's it's really interesting to see kind of what's going on. And the speculation all over the place is uh is pretty wild.
0: Yeah, and you did mention that in a previous episode too, that you think it's probably Kellen Brimbor. So that is a good that is a good point. Yeah, because at the end he does look very human like to me. So I don't know if it's going to be Sauron or not. Brad, you were kind of
2: nodding your head a little bit. No, I I think it's interesting that it re- it really could be. I mean, there's like easy avenues for them to go of oh, it's someone who's already evil, but they could really pull you know the rug out from underneath us and it'd be someone we like never saw coming like you know a mile away. So it'll be interesting to see like what they do. And that's what I really enjoy like how much of this is brand new. So it's gotta be the first time. Like yeah, it's ba- it's you know the foundation is there in terms of new Numenor, but and there are characters who are part of the lore but there's so many new elements to this that i'm hoping like really diehard fans of the series are getting to be like i'm getting new lord of the rings content you know i'm getting the not know where things go and not know who's gonna do what so i'm hoping people are enjoying that part like as much as i am of being like okay there's like some familiarity here but it's not a story where i know where every single direction is gonna go
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely agree. Um, now I think I skipped cringe moment on accident. Uh, we might have already kind of brushed on it, but you guys are very excited. We are
2: my So me and Noah have both been like, yeah, we both have the same cringe, huh? So I'm really interested right now. (laughs) We'll see if it's we might be completely off. Like I might say mine, and Noah would be like, oh no, that's not at all what I was thinking. So Noah, was it the slow motion on the horse? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Oh,
0: yes. (laughs) <laughs> went to my best memories you guys and she's like has the biggest she never has smiled in her whole fucking what life she's like with
1: that. she's like he's like yeah we'll have to ride over to my my place and she's yeah. like then said ride and then <laughs> just so slow motion is like yeah and, you know, and listen if you're not watching on youtube this is the reason to watch on youtube on you know, <laughs> spotify or whatever to see our stupid faces here but yeah the slow motion and her face
2: man what was that it, 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 it was like an anime like a scene out of anime was sometimes like a character really likes candy bars and they see candy bar and like stars like burst on the head and like candy bar like it was like that where I'm like this is not fitting in at all and I don't need to see a horse's face in slow motion like Like the- and its its eye like, and she's riding it with a big smile
1: and it was like such and it lasted for such a long time it, it was so bizarre yeah, that Guys.
0: was the
2: epitome of cringe. Like that, I'm like, this is why we have the cringe moment award. <laughs> this is why That's, we have it for this right this here. Exactly. okay
0: we were talking before so we always try to at least uh semi plan out like our segments before each uh episode just to give you guys a little behind the scenes and they were like doing this little thing of like what's your cringe well, I don't want to tell you my cringe because I wonder if it's the same cringe and for the life of me I was like that literally went straight to my repressed memories because while I was watching I'm like this is fucking horrible but like it look I literally forgot it. I watched it yesterday <laughs> it literally went out of my brain so I'm so glad that you guys brought that up her smile, too. It wasn't like her, like, you know how she's very, like, sly when she does kind of smile yeah, or shows shows? So it was like, she looks like a clown mask. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. She looks like a cute. marionette doll.
1: Yeah, that was so <laughs> bizarre and, like, uncharacteristic. I don't know. That was bizarre. It
0: yeah. was so weird. I'm so glad you guys brought that up. I would have absolutely forgot about that. I would, how can you forget? I will say, though, the horse was absolutely gorgeous it almost looked like a carousel horse like it didn't look real it had these say that again blue eyes yeah blue eyes pure white just absolutely gorgeous it was so that was beautiful and the beach itself
2: yeah
0: I want to know where that beach is I need to go
2: yeah I want to know so like obviously they filmed this all in New England but does that mean they can't get establishing shots from other places like you know that's a wide shot of a beach like Maybe they filmed that elsewhere. And like, yeah, the scenes are filmed in New Zealand because at that point you just punch in and you're on a beach, you know? So I'm really wondering, like, is everything we're seeing New Zealand? Uh, I think it is, uh, actually. I That's think incredible.
1: It is. That's incredible. That's I mean, incredible. Even, even Numenor, because the first thing I did, I paused, as soon as we saw that opening shot of Numenor, I paused the show and I Googled, where did they shoot N- Numenor? Because yeah. it almost reminded me of what they did in Dubrovnik, Croatia with King's Landing and just some of these, like how the city was built. And it just looked so amazing. Uh, and it turns out, yeah, that was in New Zealand also. And it took them five months to build the set and it was a full, it wasn't, I mean, obviously there's CGI involved as well, but the whole thing was just a super intricate and complex set that was an entire city that they built in New Zealand. That's
2: incredible.
0: Wow, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, so that's that's actually really incredible because a lot of times too, if the CGI is really great, sometimes the sets kind of suck. If the sets are great, sometimes the CGI is bad, but everything really just marries together very well. Um, but yeah, so moving on, I mentioned earlier that I really love Noah's um, setting the stage scene. But of course we can't, we would be remiss if we forgot about another favorite scene of mine, uh, setting the scene with, Brad, oh, not setting the scene. Oh my gosh. Director's
1: notes, Director's notes with Brad G.
2: Fay
0: Thank you, Noah. <laughs> uh, we're testing out Noah's hosting abilities because sadly some of us will be traveling in a few weeks. So <laughs> that was a test. That was Noah.
2: a test, that was a test.
0: Director's Notes with Brad G. Fay. Yes, and for anyone who is not familiar, make sure to go watch Geek and you shall find the documentaries on Amazon Prime, iTunes, as well as free on Plex and many other streaming platforms too. Um, So Brad, take it away. What did your director's eye see in episode three?
2: Yeah, I just... Love this episode. Like, can't say it enough. But I, I think, again, we really saw in this episode a lot of the parallels and influences for George R. R. Martin. And the other fictional world we talk about regularly on this show, uh, Game of Thrones. And, you know, I mean, just little things. You get in your mind, like the war. Like, okay, it's not a coincidence. Like, that's like a wolf-like creature. And Game of Thrones, like... When the Starks War gets their connection, the like wolf-like characters. So little Ooh. things like that was getting nice little reminders of how much George R. Martin pulled. Um, but the main thing I wanted to focus on is the theme of nature and Tolkien's love of nature. And kind of the dichotomy we see between the two scenes. I don't want to give too much away about like Numenor and the white tree. But I thought it was really interesting that we go from... The first time we get any mention of the white tree in terms of you know explaining how it loses its leaves and you kind of see they built this big city around this beautiful big white tree and you see how important nature is to some characters and in the very next scene we go to the orcs giving instructions to the elves to chop down a tree and you know one of the elves is like this tree has been here longer than you have and like the orcs don't give a shit like you know and it just that was a big thing for Tolkien is kind of like deforestation and what he felt was happening in parts of England of just all these trees getting chopped down it was kind of like where are we going as society what would a world look like without trees without this relationship with nature so I I thought this episode did a really good job of giving us that one-two punch of what does society look like that builds this beautiful society around trees and kind of I don't want to say they work with trees because it didn't look like that island was very populated with a lot of trees in nature, but you're already getting kind of hints that like, okay, the white tree is important. They built this you know, beautiful garden around it. And then you have the orcs that are like, I chopped that tree down. I don't care. We, we just want to get through this path. We're not worried about going around it or saving time. So I thought that was really cool. And that, that was kind of you know the main thing that stood out for me. And it reminder me of like the mythology of the white tree in mythology, and in, of course, again George R. R. Martin kind of using this with the importance of trees. And in Game of Thrones, you have the first men come and they're chopping down the trees, and they're using them to build weapons and ships, if I recall right. And the children of forest are like, you know, you're you're killing this part. That's a part of us, and that leads to a war between those two. So just kind of those were just a few of the things that really stood out to me from this episode.
0: Yeah, and it was also really interesting too because that's really kind of what sets off. Um, the elves really fighting back against the orc, they were really working to fight for this tree. So I think too, there is almost like a relationship between nature and especially elves, Um, like maybe they're tied to them or even, or maybe just trees in particular. So I thought that was really interesting. And then it's also really sad too, because when you see the, the larger landscape of how there was already so much space that was free of trees already and like had been deforested, The fact when they were like hey we'll just go around it we'll dig around it which they easily could have done there was nothing in their way but they were just like just like doing orc stuff you know like up into those little no good hooligans Uh, they wanted to chop the tree down you know so well
1: so what's interesting about that to me and and it all is connected right so in, in this they talk a lot about the southlands which we've talked about in this podcast already and and they don't talk about the southlands in in lord of the rings and those movies you never hear that the southlands and the reason for that is because the southlands become known as mordor later and that's where we are here so what's happening right now with what the orcs are doing all the deforestation all that they are laying the foundation of the area that will then be mordor where you don't see any any natural life like that um and it's just a place for for evil and they talk about it in this episode where Galadriel realizes that Siron's symbol is actually a map of the mountain ranges that are around Mount Doom and so it's it's actually a map uh, as well as a plan to be enacted in the event of Morgoth's defeat where they'll create their own realm where evil can endure and thrive so it's wow. it's I mean it fits perfectly with what you were just saying.
0: Yeah and I thought that was a really interesting thing too you guys were talking about how she was going through the scrolls seeing if they had seen this symbol but really, they find out that it's a map, right? And they're saying it is the Southlands. And she's like, oh my gosh, it was right there. Um, so it's something that we all should have seen because to your point, we see a lot of that with Mordor, with the mountains. And like, you know, it's almost like a little ring type shape uh, or like a U type shape. So that was really interesting. But yeah, wow. Okay, so we don't hear about the Southlands because it turns into Mordor. Poof! You guys, there are so many callbacks. I love, like I freak out especially because I obviously haven't read the books. Um, I'm not that deep into it, but anytime I see something that's a callback to Lord of the Rings, um, the trilogy, it just absolutely blows my mind. So want to move on, um, to this next little part about callbacks or maybe any predictions that you guys might have, uh, Noah, that was a great segue to that. Was there anything else that you happened to notice?
1: Yeah, I mean the biggest callback, and and really where my eyes perked up a little bit, uh, my ears perked up a little bit when I was watching this when they mentioned the name Isildur, and so if you remember, Isildur is the person that he's the son of the king who cuts the finger off of Sauron and cuts the ring off of his uh of off of his hand to defeat him, and then he also foolishly decides to keep it for himself instead of throwing it into Mount Doom, and you know that's what really kicks off. Sauron's return and his the second coming of Sauron which takes place in Lord of the Rings so it was very cool this is going back to my original MVP where Elendil uh he is the king he is the king of Gondor that gets killed when his sword breaks in that battle that opens up Lord of the Rings which is uh really cool and that's when his son Isildur who we meet he's a rebellious teenager there and we know that he'll become the future king of Gondor and um And beyond that, it it all leads back to Aragorn where Aragorn is Isildur's heir, which is connected directly to the royal line of Numenorians, which allows Aragorn to have a strangely long life for a normal man uh, and the rest is history. But all of these things are connected. And so when we met Elendil and then we met Isildur, I thought it was really, really cool because of the implications and, and how that ties in with the larger story.
0: And Isildur becomes one of the wraiths, right, that we see in Lord of the Rings that are hunting, or is that someone else?
1: No, that's that's different, but I actually have a, a, no, a little note about that as well, a uh, prediction. Um, but no, he, Isildur just gets killed um, when the ring betrays him, and then the ring sinks down into the bottom of the river or the lake, and it's found by
2: Smeagol. That's Sean Bean's, like, ancestor, right? that that no. happens too isn't that sean bean's character like related to that person and they're like yo your like great 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 grandfather was the one who had the chance to get rid of the ring and no did it's it. aragorn it's
1: aragorn's ancestor and that's why like aragorn is so reluctant to lead because he doesn't want to just be um you know prone to the weakness that is in his blood where he wasn't able to destroy uh-huh. the ring but so um uh bear uh faramir and boromir sean bean their father is the steward of gondor because he's not in line with the king it's not in his blood but he's the one that's currently ruling over gondor during lord of the rings because the king is not there because there's no one that is of that line and they that's why they kind of try to fight um when aragorn comes back and is like yeah i am the the rightful king gotcha
0: yeah um i have some news for you noah what some nerdy news for you actually isildur does become a ring wraith because after his death the orcs bring back his body to sauron because he's mad at him and um they put a ring of power on his finger turning him into a like a ring wraith is what it says so like one of those nine things that hunt um hunt frodo like those like ghost king things so where are you
2: getting this information where is this (laughs) news coming from
0: Tolkien Gateway.net. Yeah,
2: okay, I was gonna say, unless that's it's Soken that's a notable fake news site. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they're, known for, they're known for their propaganda. Hmm. But, but so,
1: well, no, the, the, the ring race were nine kings of men that were gifted mm-hmm. thousands of years before, like when as soon as in, you will see them in this. And so that's one of my predictions, actually, that Hallbrand is actually one of these ring wraiths.
2: It, it seems like we're in a position right now to set up our first Chuggler bet of our series. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> whoever is wrong between the two of you,
0: we might both um, be right.
2: on air. Well, I
1: mean, I, I could see them like you know, corrupt, bringing back his dead body to to reanimate and do some evil things. But he is definitely hundred percent not one of the original, um, one of the original Nazgul. Like that is a fact. He's definitely not because the Nazgul, like he mm-hmm. was fighting against the Nazgul, were in the war. Where he cut off the ring. The Nazgul weren't created. Oh,
0: actually. okay, okay, okay.
1: So, anyway, going back to Hallbrand, though, I, for me, there's just something that's not right about this dude. Like, he's mm-hmm. like the Walmart Aragorn, like the fake Aragorn. <laughs> and I think the that Dollar that-
0: Tree Aragorn.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's what the. Um, you know the producers are trying to invoke in in all of us when we're watching where you feel like this dude he he comes from nobility and he loses his place and he you know doesn't want to go back and he doesn't want to lead and he wants to just start a new life and abandon all that um but yeah I feel like that's on purpose and I think that there's something with the way he kicked those guys asses the way he's just like, really? You could tell he's already manipulative. You saw Mm -hmm. in last episode, he didn't care when people would die around him. Mm -hmm. I just feel like there's something where this guy's going to go bad. And we already know that, you know, the Nazgul were the kings of men who were corrupted by power and became these ring wraiths. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if he is one of them. And even the witch king of whatever, you know, the witch king, whatever that guy's name is. Because um, in this episode, Halbrand says, The heir to this mark, talking about the symbol on his necklace, the heir to this mark is heir to more than just nobility. It was for his ancestor who swore the blood oath to Morgoth. I'm not the hero you seek. It was my family that lost the war. So you know he went bad, or his family went bad, and I just think it's going to be a a parallel to Aragorn, where Aragorn didn't want to lead. He was afraid that he would fall into that same trap that his family did, and he didn't. Whereas I think that Hallbrand will end up going bad. So that's kind of my prediction there.
0: Hmm. Those are definitely great predictions and I can definitely see that happen, especially to your point, like they're talking about how, you know, there's all this fate of like bringing back, like maybe it's not a coincidence that he ran into Galadriel and that he happened to be on that boat, that's saying, and that they happen to run into the sailors that will bring them back to, um, Numenor, Numenor when she's going to be the first elf that's ever been there. So,
1: and I mean, think about last episode when, um. When Galadriel is talking to the High King, and the High King says, and I mentioned this last episode, for the same wind that seeks to blow out a fire might also cause it spread. So whether Halbrand is Sauron or the Witch King or a Nazgul or something like that, the reason that he is there is because uh, is because Galadriel is encouraging him, like, "Nah, don't stay here. Like, come back to Middle Earth with me." And if he actually goes back to Middle Earth and causes chaos and you know, causes all the destruction of that, that we see to come, it's kind of Galadriel's fault, which is again, uh, foreshadowed in the prior episode.
0: I will say like, now that you say that his power of being able to influence people with his words, like he's very influential with what he says. And he's very targeted with what he says really kind of reminds me of, um, was it Wormtongue? That, Wait, you know,
1: you know Wormtongue.
0: Warm tongue yeah that he like whispers all this stuff to the king and obviously he was a servant of Sauron as well so there's definitely those powers to be able to be seen of, of like you know influence and being able to to be sly with what they say and being able to influence people that way because anytime something is starting to go against what they need to happen. He just says a few, he just says, hey, everybody, look, we're here, we're friends, look, let's just give us a few days, when he's about to get beat up because he's talking about like, oh, I'm going to take your women, when he's sitting there eating eating and drinking and Numenor's um, all their food and, and ale, he's like, hey, we're all friends, like, you know what I mean? So, like, yeah, he definitely, buy you a needs,
1: drink. it's fine.
0: Hey. Yeah, yeah, and then as he, like, not so slyly takes the thing that oh, he needs well. off of them. <laughs> well- which also too maybe um, you know he's all, he's very interested in becoming I don't know if maybe they were gifted um, like Elvin Steel or something like that but he's also very like targeted and like he wants to be like a blacksmith yeah, he, or have access he really to, like, wants
2: a to get black. up in that craft shop yeah, yeah think about it. Well, what is the name of the series the
1: Rings of Power it's all about the forging of these Rings of Power which are done you know by a Smith. And all of a sudden that's what's, you know, in his mind, what he wants to do. So I just think there's a lot of connections there that tell me that this dude is going bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, so before we wrap up the episode, is there anything else that you guys would like to talk about? One thing that I uh, found interesting was that uh, the queen at the end, she says, the moment we, the moment we feared is here, or like, it's the moment that we feared the elf has arrived. So I think that's definitely going to be interesting. Um, maybe Numenor has turned bad. Maybe, you know, that's part of the reason why they're against, you know, against the elves because they've been fighting Sauron and and all this stuff. Who knows? Um, but also kind of remind me too, we don't really see a lot of the orc, but I was, I mean, a lot of the dwarves, we don't see any of the dwarves in this. But really reminds me and like, I'm wondering if maybe the dwarves turn bad and then something happens where there's something between the dwar- dwarves and the orcs after they work together later, because in Lord of the Rings, we see that that whole kingdom has been overrun by orcs and they were like basically murdered and stuff by them. So I don't know something about the the weird, I can't get over the box that they had and like that they're being so sneaky about it. So those are some of my watchouts.
2: Hmm. Okay,
1: cool.
0: Brad?
2: My only prediction right now is we're going to see some hard-foot people get left behind. And sung about in song later about how they weren't really left behind. I <laughs>
1: can only yeah. hope they don't just trash them down the line and just freaking roast them for dying in a stupid way.
0: <laughs> I think, no, I think the, whatever he is, whether he's a wizard or whatever, I think he's going to help them. And too, I will say that was really cute when like, um you know, when he's so entranced and he finally sees the yeah. stripes of the stars and then he turns around and, He's like, Nori? Like, when everyone's not, yeah. like, hiding as a It was so cute. He was like, I don't oh, want that
2: God. guy to be bad.
0: Me either. I really hope not. It's going to break my heart.
1: Yeah. It's funny that, like, people are either like, oh, yeah, that's Gandalf when he was young. Or, yeah, that's Sauron. Like, yeah, right? <laughs> the spectrum of who the stranger could be is yeah. really wide.
0: No in between. All right. Well, if you guys don't have any more predictions or anything that you guys would like to talk about, then... Everyone, please make sure to tune in to our next episode. We'll be outlining House of the Dragon episode four. Um, That'll be coming up here in a little bit. Maybe Noah might have some more nerdy news depending on what is announced with Disney this weekend. But we are so thankful for you tuning in this week and every week. Thank you so much for all of your comments, your likes, your shares, and of course, listening in with us. We appreciate you guys each and every day and we can't wait to See you slash have you see us on the next episode of geek and you shall find the podcast. We'll see you then.
1: Bye guys bye, bye.